Nahum chapter 1. The burden against Nineveh. The book of the vision of Nahum the Elkoshite. God is jealous and the Lord avenges. The Lord avenges and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries and he reserves wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry and dries up all the rivers. Bashan and Carmel wither and the flower of Lebanon wilts. The mountains quake before him. The hills melt and the earth at his presence. Yes, the world and all who dwell in it. The book of Nahum. The book of Nahum is one of the books written by those persons that we call the minor prophets. Not minor in terms of being less important, but minor in terms of having shorter dissertations that are recorded in scripture. Most of us are familiar with the prophet Ezekiel, the prophet Jeremiah, the prophet Isaiah. Their words are well known to most Christian believers. But many are not as familiar with Nahum, Habakkuk, Micah, and other books that are designated as minor prophets. But because these books are designated as the minor prophets, again, does not mean that what they have to say is not important. It means that they had very little writing that is recorded in the Holy Scripture. Nahum is one of those minor prophets. The book of Nahum is a collection of poems announcing the downfall of Assyria. Assyria was one of Israel's worst oppressors. The name of the prophet Nahum, unlike the name of Isaiah, only appears in one verse in the entire scripture. The only time the name Nahum is mentioned is in chapter one of his own writing. We don't hear his name mentioned anymore in the entire scriptures. Yet his message is a very profound message a message that we as believers need to hear and understand. Nahum's message is that God is committed to justice, that he will not allow any arrogant, 
violent or evil nation to endure forever. God will defeat evil. He will provide a refuge on the day of distress for anyone who humbles himself. And so this is essentially what Nahum is telling us in this very brief book of prophecy. Of the things that Nahum mentions, and I urge you to read this book when you have a chance, one of the key things that Nahum tells us is that the Lord is good. And so I want to use as a subject for today's message, isn't the Lord good? Isn't the Lord good? The book to which the Lord has directed our attention today is not one of those that many of you have perhaps read. It's not a book that you'll find on the 10 bestsellers list. It's not a book that just jumps out at you and grabs you and makes you want to go back and read it again. It's a book that speaks mostly of doom, mostly of destruction, mostly of vengeance. But in chapter 1, verse 7, Nahum brings to our attention a point that I want to highlight in today's message. The Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. The Lord is good. The book of Nahum is a book of comfort. It does not appear that way when we open the book up and begin to read it. Nahum is a sequel to the book of Jonah. About a hundred years before Nahum wrote this book, the prophet Jonah was sent to a city called Nineveh, which was the capital city of Assyria. Jonah went to the city preaching a message of certain and impending judgment. And when the Ninevites heard the message of Jonah, they repented of their sins and the Lord spared their city. You remember the story of Jonah. He said, in 40 days, it's going to rain. It's going to rain. And he kept on telling them, but I'm not talking about uh, uh, the, the rain that uh, we read about in the flood. He was talking about the rain of God's judgment. God was going to destroy Nineveh in yet 40 days if they did not turn from their sin. We serve a God who always warns before he strikes. God never strikes preeminently. He always gives us a warning. All too often, however, we don't heed his warning. Nahum's message is a message of judgment. He called it a burden, the burden which the Lord laid on his heart. But I want you to know that in this book of Nahum, 
we have blessed assurance. What do you mean, Pastor, we have blessed assurance? Well, we have the written word of the Lord. Nahum clearly states that the Lord is good. And this is something that we need to hear today, that the Lord is good. When we look around at our world today, it doesn't always appear to us that God is good. Look at what's happening in our own nation, how we've redefined marriage, how we refuse to mete out justice, how we shoot people down in their own bedrooms, how policemen come into our homes and no-knock warrants and shoot us dead in our own beds and bear no responsibility for it and let the nerve of a city to charge a man with spraying stray bullets in a neighboring apartment and not even mentioning the home and the life that was taken away with the initial spraying of bullets. America, we're under attack. We're under attack because we have ignored God's word. And we found countless ways to cut God out of our lives. And as a result, we're under attack. We're under judgment. The turmoil in our society, the upheaval in our economy, the steady decline in our morality can all be traced back to our abandonment of God and to his subsequent abandonment of us. But Nahum reminds us that even in the midst of judgment, the Lord is good. The word good means pleasant. It means agreeable. It means rich. It means valuable. God is good. God is pleasant. God is agreeable. God is sensible. God is one with whom you can reason. He says in his word, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, he will forgive. God is a good God. He's a reasonable God. He's an agreeable and an approachable God. He's a loving God. But make no mistake about it. He's a jealous God. He's a God who will get revenge. But the message today isn't the Lord good. Look at this book of Nahum. And we'll find throughout his writing how he demonstrates that God is good. He's good to all people. He's good in all places. He's good in all situations. He's good at all times. The Lord is good. He's good when life is going well. He's good when times are bad. The Lord is good. And we have this blessed assurance in this book called Nahum. 
Not only do we have a blessed assurance, but we have a divine assistance. We have divine assistance. What do you mean we have divine assistance? Well, he said in verse 7, the Lord is good, but he also said he's a stronghold in the day of trouble. The word stronghold means a place of safety, a place of protection, a refuge, a safe harbor. We serve a God who is available. He provides divine assistance to those who are hurting, to those who are in, in some type of distress. We are not alone. We have divine assistance. Sooner or later, we're all going to need a stronghold. Trouble will come to all of us. Trouble comes. Trouble is something that we cannot escape in this life. But we have a safety place. We have a stronghold. We have a refuge. The psalmist said, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in the time of trouble. Verse 2 of Nahum chapter 1 says that God is jealous. Now the word jealous is a word that has been tainted in our society. We think of jealousy as though it was something bad. And perhaps in our way of defining it and the way we practice it, it may very well be bad, but not with God. You see, when we become jealous, it's always because it's a manifestation of our fallen nature. When we're jealous, we're afraid that somebody's going to take something from us that we don't want to lose. But that's not what it means when it says God is jealous. God is not concerned about anybody taking anything or anyone away from him. We are his and no one can ever change that. When he said that God is jealous, it means that God views us as a precious possession. It means that he places himself between us and persons or events that would harm us. I'll give you an example. Let's say you took your child to a zoo. And by some strange set of circumstances, a lion escapes from its cage. Now, I hope this never happens, but let's just imagine that it would. What would you do as a parent if you saw a lion about to attack your small or infant child? I don't know for sure, but I believe that most of us would probably throw ourselves between the lion and the child. This demonstrates that we care about our children their lives, their well-being, their welfare is of concern to us. When I think about this scripture, God is saying, or Nahum is saying that God is a jealous God. His children are precious to him. He does not want any harm to come our way. He wants only what is best for us. So when the storms of life rise up against us, when the winds of adversity buffet us, we'll discover that we have a place of refuge. He's a stronghold. So we have blessed assurance. We have his divine assistance. 
And what I also love is that we have his personal acquaintance. The Bible also goes on to say that he knows them that trust in him. God knows his children. You know, we hear so much today about fathers and sometimes mothers, how they don't care for their children, how they don't look out for their well-being, how they just abandon them and leave them in utterly, uh, utter distress. But Nahum says that the Lord knows them that trust him. He knows where we are. He knows what we're facing. He knows all the details of our life. He even knows the number of hairs that are on our heads. He knows us intimately, comprehensively, and completely. There's nothing about us, nothing about our life, nothing about our situation that escapes his attention. You read in the book of Genesis about a lady by the name of Hagar. Hagar was the concubine or the uh, outside wife, if you want to call it that, of Abraham. Abraham was married to Sarah, but because of his lack of faith, he married another woman by the name of Hagar. And he conceived a child uh, with Hagar, whose name was Ishmael. That was wrong. It was sinful. It was not in keeping with God's will. And yet, in spite of Abraham and Hagar's wrong, God forgave them both. Hagar was put out of the home of Abraham. And we read that she was out one day in the wilderness, feeling alone, feeling depressed and distressed. And the Bible says that the Lord came to her and called her by her name. We serve a God who cares about us. He's personally acquainted with us. I believe that there's somebody listening to this message today who feels terrible, who feels isolated, who feels alone, who feels abandoned. You've sinned, you've messed up, you've done a terrible thing, you, you, you've missed the mark, you're ashamed of yourself, you're ashamed of your behavior, you're ashamed of how you uh, came across, you're ashamed of what you've done. But I want you to know we serve a God who cares about us. He knows our name. He knows where we are. He knows those that are his. He calls us his friends in the Gospel of John. We're not just somebody that he knows casually. He knows us by name. If you're here today and you're going through some type of difficulty, you're going through some period of, 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 of depression, going through a period of, of loss and sadness and sorrow, dejection, rejection, hurt, whatever it may be, I want you to know that we serve a God who knows, who cares. In fact, he calls us his brothers. 
Now, the word brethren in the King James translation means both men and women. He said that we're all from the same womb. He sees us as part of his family. He's a God who knows us personally. He's good. We serve a good God. Let me give you an illustration. And I did read this in a book that I was reading, and I thought it was such a great illustration, so I, I want to acknowledge that I was able to identify with what this author said. <laughs> the author was talking about a little boy, and I thought about my little grandson, Titus, when I read this, how he was telling his grandmother how everything in his life was going wrong. He told about his problems with his school, with his family, with his friends. Everything was going wrong in this little boy's life. And he shared his disappointment with his grandmother. So what his grandmother did as she was baking a cake, since she heard that everything was going so bad for her grandson, she said, I tell you what, would you like a snack? Have you ever seen a child turn down a snack? His face just lit up. He said, yeah, Grandma, I would like a snack. He was so sure that she was going to give him some of that cake that he smelled baking in the oven. So he got up and he ran toward his grandmother. He looked her straight in the eyes. He had his hands out. He was waiting on her to give him a piece of that cake that he was smelling baking in the oven. But what she said, she said, hey, would you like some cooking oil? My mother used to call it lard. <laughs> I don't know if y'all know what lard is, but my mother used to bake cakes and she used a product called lard. Kind of looks like hair grease. She scooped that lard up and whip it into that batter and make a cake. You want some cooking oil? And the little boy said, yuck. Grandma, I don't want no cooking oil. I want a cake. And she looked at him again. He said, how about a couple of raw eggs? And she handed him some raw eggs. Oh, Grandma, that's gross. Well, what about some flour or some baking soda? And she began to hand him the various ingredients that she was using to bake that cake. And that boy, little baby boy, just turned away and ran. Oh, grandmother, these things are all yucky. I don't want that. I want some cake. His grandmother replied, yes. All these things seem bad by themselves. But when they are put together in the right way, they make a wonderfully delicious cake. And God works the same way. Many times we wonder why he would let us go through such bad and difficult times. 
But as we trust in him, despite the circumstances, eventually together all things will be made good. And we will have something wonderful in the end. The book of Nahum tells us about all of the bad things that this nation did in rebellion against God and how God used wicked and cruel nations to bring them to their knees. And yet, Nahum says God is good. Isn't the Lord good? What do you mean, Pastor, he's good? What is good because he does not strike us down immediately. He gives us a chance to take a look at ourselves. He gives us a chance to return from our evil and wicked ways. He gives us a chance to rethink what we've done. We serve a God who is a good God. He's a stronghold to those who are in trouble. If you're here today and you're in trouble, you have someone you can turn to. We serve a God who's willing to forgive. He's good. What do you mean he's good? He's a good God. He's a great God. He's a jealous God. Jealous? Well, jealous means that he cares about us. Jealous means he's concerned about anything that will come our way to hurt us. Jealous means he will get between us and anything that comes against us to destroy us. No weapon, the Bible says, that is formed against us shall prosper. We serve a jealous God, a God who will not let harm or evil overtake us. In the Lord good. He's an avenging God. The Lord is jealous and avenging, Nahum says. What does avenging mean? It means he gets even. Oh, yes, it does. Don't you fool yourself. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Don't you fool yourself. It may look dark right now, but God's going to get even. God's going to have the last word. We live in a cruel society right now. There seems to be no justice. Our rights are being trampled or underfoot. It seems like everything that we have worked for and waited on and striven so hard to accomplish is going to be taken away. But we serve a God who says, I'm going to get revenge. He's an avenging God. He's a jealous God. He's a wrathful God. The Lord is jealous and avenging. He takes vengeance and is fierce in his wrath. The word fierce means you don't want to mess with God. You don't want to get God angry with you. You don't want God working against you. The Bible says if God be for us, who can be against us? Don't worry about what the politicians are doing. Don't worry about this pandemic. Don't worry about this social unrest. Don't worry about these things. We serve a God who's a good God. He's slow to anger. He's slow, but he's great in power. He will never leave the guilty unpunished. His path is in the whirlwind and the storm, and the clouds are the dust beneath his feet. The Lord is slow to anger, but he's great in power. 
He'll never leave the guilty unpunished. If you've been wronged, God's going to get revenge. If you've been wrong, mistreated, abused, ostracized, criticized, marginalized, and you put your hope and trust in him, he's got your back. The Lord is good. He's a good God. And this is what Nahum wants us to understand. Even though it may not look that way, we serve a God who cares about us. He expresses his power over nature. He expresses his power over enemies. He rebukes the sea so that it dries up. He makes the rivers run dry. Bashan and Carmel wither. Don't you fool yourself. God will have the last word. He'll have the last word in our present calamity. He'll have the last word in our sickness and, and in our deteriorating state. We serve a good and gracious God in the Lord good. This is the message of Nahum. Isn't the Lord good? He's a great God. He's a stronghold. He provides for his own. We serve a great and an awesome God.
the Lord good. He is good. And his mercy endureth forever. This brings us to the conclusion.